Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. If you want to explore more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, head over to cageclub.me and check out some of our friends. Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Bad, the podcast where we talk about real bad movies and why they want to hurt us. And I am your host, Nick Jenkins. Today I am joined by three friends to talk about an interesting bad movie. First, we have Marianne Fernandez-Silva. Hello. Hello. Caitlin Hoffmeister. Hi. And Tobin Addington. Hello. Welcome all to what I'm going to admit up front was probably in my top 10 favorite films as a kid. I loved this movie. Mm. We are talking about the musical in our month of Lerve. Grease 2. Uh, I loved this movie, and uh, we're going to talk about if I still love it at the end of this. Now, Tobin and I usually line up, so I'll mm-hmm. be interested to see where this goes, but I feel like this was something for all of our childhoods. I'm not sure. Caitlin, was it a big part of I yours? I didn't see it until college. Oh. Uh, but because it was part of my roommate's childhood, and she was like, oh, uh, you okay. have to watch this. Okay. And so, Which, the other movie that she really wanted me to watch was Empire Records, <gasps> which is oh, the Rex same Manning. actor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I saw that first, and so I still see him as Rex Manning. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I still see him as Rex Manning, even though I also saw Grease 2 first. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> He's sexy Rexy. Maximilian, what is his name? Maximilian. Max Caulfield? M- Max. Maxwell Caulfield. Maxwell Caulfield. Right, right, yeah. Right. Anyway, good looking man. Um, so, so before we get too far into this discussion, though, we have to do a 60 second plot dump in that person just because you haven't been here in a while, Caitlin. Okay. It's going to be you. Okay. Okay. So, hold um, on. <laughs> we okay. got to get the timer out. Okay. All right. Here we go. The plot dump in 60 seconds for 1982's Grease 2 in three, two, one. Okay. It's the fall of 1960. Even though we think it's 1961, uh, and it's we're back at Rydell High following the new transfer student who you think is Australian for a hot second because of his accent, but he's actually British, and he's our former hero Sandy's cousin, and luckily Frenchie's there to orient him, and, you know, like all school... Um, they're already planning the graduation talent show, and that's how we meet everyone, including hot, hot Michelle Pfeiffer, who just wants a cool, cool, cool rider. And um, the cool dudes are actually losers, and the girls run the school, and the geeks, and the weird hypersexual teacher. And then um, Michelle Pfeiffer is trying to dump her boyfriend for months, um, like all senior prom queens. And finally, she succeeds. Um, kind of, but only when her new boyfriend is so good at motorcycling and he's changed his identity and tricked her into thinking <laughs> he's a mystery guy. And then, of course, surprise luau. <laughs> I, I missed some stuff in the in the third no, act. Not, not much. No, really. You yeah. know, they think he's dead at one point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but for but like only Michelle minute. Pfeiffer thinks he's dead. Everyone, Everyone else is like, oh, he's, he's not fine. dead. Well, that's right. Yeah. yeah, he made the jump. He's <laughs> yeah. not down there. There is nothing in the ravine. He's yeah. fine. Yeah. No, he's dead. No, we need a smoke machine now. <laughs> so this uh. is a really interesting film to me. It was interesting to me why I liked it as a kid, and it's interesting to me to watch now. But I'd like to hear from all of you a bit first about your history with it. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about reactions in a second, but I'd like to know more about just your history. So Marianne, uh, let's start with you. Sure. Where did you first see this, and how did it come into your life? Oof. Um, I don't remember when I first saw it. I want to say I was way too young. I was probably in fourth grade. 
maybe younger. I don't know. Well, I feel like that's about when I saw it. Really? Yeah, that's okay, pretty cool. young. I was um, a late bloomer. <laughs> fair. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, but yeah, I got into it because uh, my friend and I were very into the first Grease, and then obviously you have to watch the sequel. Um, and we love both of them. Uh, cool Rider was the best song out of all of them, in my opinion, um, at, at in fourth grade. Um, and yeah, I saw it a lot, like to the point that I can still remember all of the songs and a lot of the like lines of dialogue, but I probably have not seen it since sixth grade or junior high. Okay. All right. Tobin. So I, I, apparently I'm precocious. If you're late bloomers, I saw this, uh, within a year of its release whenever it was first in drive-ins I was four or five years old and I was in a car and my not mom, a motorcycle not it was not a motorcycle no that would have been amazing <laughs> uh, but were you in Grease Lightning <laughs> <laughs> my mom was a huge Grease fan and so I remember her and I'm sure I had just had toys to play with or whatever like it was a drive-in so I wasn't really paying attention except I but there were like flashes of it images were sort of seared into my brain so I saw this very very young and then maybe twice since then and that's it oh really okay mm-hmm. Interesting. And then, Caitlin, you didn't see it until you were in college. Yeah. And I only remembered my favorite scene when they're going to do it for their country. (laughs) (laughs) And I forgot that, like, the main characters are not in that scene at all, like, (laughs) which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I don't I think I first saw it when it was on television and I was pretty young. So it would have been in the late 80s, mid 80s, somewhere in there. And. It was my preferred Grease. I, I didn't really enjoy the first one all that much. I think I just, as a kid, as a little kid, I liked the music better in this for some reason. I also thought motorcycles were cooler. I still think the motorcycles in this are cooler than that stupid car in Grease. <laughs> <laughs> Grease Lightning is a dumb looking car to me, but that's a taste thing. <laughs> we'll move on. And uh, really, until I was a teenager and I started to recognize like the difference in quality in the filmmaking and in the songs. Like that was a big mm-hmm. thing to me. Like I, the, the thing that sticks with me about the first Grease, which doesn't stick with me with a lot of musicals that I like, but for Grease, the songwriting and the, the performances in Grease are really good, like at a really high level. And that started to overshadow Grease too for me. And then I got into musical theater and like the idea of performance in and of itself. But the interesting thing is the one thing that sticks with me in this in this film is a performance, which we will we will get to. I think Tobin and I um, want to talk about it. I would be amazed if nobody else wanted to, but <laughs> you know. So this comes four years after the original Grease. So Grease came out in 78. Huge hit. Like it was one of the few films that was cracking a hundred million at the box office, you know, coming off of a really strong Broadway success. Uh, I believe Barry Bostwick or, or Brian Bear. Who's the guy that was in Spin City <laughs> as the mayor or the governor? Deep cut. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who was Brad in the Rocky Horror Picture uh-huh, Show? That guy. That mm-hmm. guy. I think he played the original Danny Zuko uh, on Broadway. Because I remember him talking about how he invented Danny Zuko and he invented Brad Majors at some point. He seemed a little cocky, but... Barry Bostwick. Barry Bostwick. Okay, I nailed it. Uh, (laughs) It took him a while to get this rolling. And for a while, it was called Son of Grease, which makes no sense Mm -hmm. at all. Not with the story. Not with this story. Apparently, uh, Maxwell Caulfield tried to get the title turned back to Son of Grease because he thought Grease 2 was boring. Uh-huh. 
fine. And because Son of Greece implies that it's about him, that it's his story. I think that's uh, it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a weird thing because <laughs> who is this movie about? Well, no, I'm just saying that like the what the original implication is that Johnny Nagarelli, who's the head of the T-Birds, is actually like the cousin of Danny Zuko. Yeah. I forgot that his name was Danny when I was rewatching this and I was like, wait, that's supposed to be him? Because Johnny and Danny, same name. Same, same name, name, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Um, $13 million budget, which at the time, that's pretty big for 1982. I mean, we're thinking about, like, I think The Empire Strikes Back, which came out a year prior to this, um, or two years prior to this, was bordering on $20 million, a little over. I think it was $24 million. And you think about that in the terms of in terms of what we're watching in yeah. Greece, too. And it's like, well, OK, $13 million. And here's where I want to talk a little bit about my reaction to it. Uh, there are, of course, problems with the script. Frenchie is in it for a few scenes. Didi Cohn, who was uh, in the first one as Frenchie, she comes back. She's supposed to be guiding Michael along. Um, she is absent from the film at about the before the midway point. Mm -hmm. And that was because the script was not done when they started and they realized midway through shooting, oh, we don't need her. Mm -hmm. And so she just didn't have any more scenes. But then they and brought I her. I love her so much. I know. <laughs> they brought her back in ADR. Her voice is there a couple of times. One uh, At the end mm -hmm. when um, uh, Stephanie Michelle Pfeiffer is having her breakdown on stage, it's Dee Dee Khan's voice saying, she doesn't remember the words. Somebody help her. But we don't see her. Mm -hmm. So she was, it's weird. She was yeah. just cut out of the film. The director was the choreographer for Greece and has choreographed. I think she was an assistant choreographer. Oh, was she? Like okay. That. Yeah. She's gone on to a really good career of choreography uh, in television and movies. Mm -hmm. um, she did all the choreography for Boardwalk Empire. And like she's, she did, uh, I think she also directed a bunch of music videos that were dance heavy Cindy Lauper music videos in the 80s, stuff like that. So she, but this is her only feature film directing credit. And I think it was a very difficult experience for her. So, that being said, I still kind of love this movie. It's got a lot of problems. We'll talk about them. Chief among them, to me, is a question of who this film is about. <laughs> I don't know. Can I make a case for Sharon? Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like she's just planning this event all year, the calendar girls scene. And then like we do have this scene where she's like, yeah, I'm going to go like fight the Cold War. I'm ready. And then like I feel like so usually this character, the story is about whoever grows Yes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like she grows and at the and she's offended that her boyfriend wanted to have sex with her and then at the end she's like it's okay to just like each other. You know, like she comes back to it. And so well, that's that I would totally watch it. or like she's like she's like it's okay. She's like not offended. He oh, wants to have sex. Okay. She's like she's like I can still like you. We can be together and he's like yeah, it is okay to just like each other. Like she brought him Mm -hmm. along with her but she got to like a mature level of communicating and um and then she had the crown of the pageant violently ripped away from her from Stephanie who yes just who ruined a, everything who ruined everything but looked great um, <laughs> yeah. and so yeah i would totally watch a movie about 
about, about Sharon. Sharon. I know. Yeah. Whatever. I would watch a movie about Sharon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really felt for her, too. And she's like, so-and-so is always late, so we haven't done spring and summer. You know, like, she's just yeah. trying. She's the only one with a goal. I mean, like, actually... Uh, our English boy has a goal. What is his name? Um, I don't know. Oh, it's Sexy Michael. Rexy. Michael. Michael, yes. Yeah. I, I remember because it's like, I kept wanting to call him Maxwell, and I'm like, nope, that's yeah. the actor's name. Yeah. Right. What's another M name? Yeah. He has Michael. a goal, but it's all in montage. He just has like basically like a makeover scene. Yeah. That's yeah. that's pretty much it. Uh-huh. Um, I think you're right. I, I would I would Sharon. go with this. I would go with this case for Sharon. <laughs> uh, but... Other things, I think it's a profoundly ugly film. I don't think it's well shot, which is uh, strange. I think it is well choreographed, um, especially the big, the big dance numbers up high, like where you see rotating circles of people. It's not Busby mm-hmm. Berkeley, but it's like the 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 or like La La Land, the opening once you see everybody on the freeway dancing, like those things in particular. I thought. Where she handled well because mm-hmm, she's just right. a camera way up high watching people. Oh yeah, like the, the crane shots no, it's, of yeah. all of the dancers yeah, all in the unison. Dancers. Like, yeah, very yeah, very yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like bad film stock, even for the era. Like it would just everything looked gross and flat. Granted, I'm watching this on a DVD on an HD TV, so it's not going to look great. But I've for this podcast, I've watched a few things on DVD. Space Jam actually looks terrific, even on DVD. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it looks great. Um, and for, let's call it a mid-budgeted film, I feel like for what this was, it just doesn't look very good. There's, did they, like, costumes, yeah. Like, some art department stuff went into things, but then there's other things where I'm like, you're in a bowling alley and that wall is literally just gray? Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. Where, right, that's right. where we're going to spend all this time right here? And, like, the, yeah. the shots mm-hmm. are, like, just, like, lots of awkward close-ups and just, yeah, it was a a lot of things just made me feel uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The the classrooms felt too tight mm-hmm. uh, for what they were yeah. doing, uh, which is like, that's something that, you know, as as low budget filmmakers, I'm sure we've all dealt with like, well, this is the location we have and it's five <laughs> feet by five feet. Right. We got to make do with it. But on a bigger budget thing, you'd think nah, you, you exaggerate that. So your camera has room to do stuff and it doesn't feel like you're just squished mm-hmm. into these tiny classrooms. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, a bunch of weird stuff didn't sit right with me. But I will say that, with the exception of one person, the casting is top notch. And that one person is Michael, who <laughs> I have a problem if you're going to make a musical and you start casting people who can't sing. It bothers me. <laughs> and the man can't sing at all. Like, he, he can barely even fake it. Like, the, his two songs are both god awful. <laughs> His charade is a <laughs> And then when That's he's... That's my new ringtone right yeah. I'll, I'll make you a little wave. Yeah, please turn yeah, it. Yeah, and send it to you. And then when he, when when she thinks he's dead and it's the ghost version, which somebody pointed out, I don't know if it was Marianne or Caitlin, somebody pointed out that that is a, it's almost a direct callback to the first Grease of beauty school and I dropout. About. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I, and it yeah. didn't occur to me until at first you said I was that. like, "What?" I was like, "Oh, this is the yeah. beauty school dropout moment." Okay, okay. This is Grace's yeah. version of heaven. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, Moodier though. A little moody. Than yeah. The, than beauty school dropout. But yeah. So I don't know. Really weird. I it. I still enjoy it though. I had a really good time when Michelle Pfeiffer singing "Cool Rider." I am a happy, happy person, and I even like the the girl for all seasons song. I think it's cute. Mm-hmm. You know. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Tobin, what do you think? 
What was your reaction here? My overall, overall reaction was that the movie, I think, fundamentally misunderstands character, plot, story, um, uh, and musicals. <laughs> I agree. So everything? Theme. Well, it had and, a theme. Oh, okay. Yeah, everything theme. is a sex joke. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. And there are performances that I found, one in particular, that I found <laughs> very engaging. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it just felt it felt like everything else, anything else, any other, other pleasure that came from it was kind of accidental. It wasn't part, it wasn't sort of artful or crafted. It was they caught a funny joke, or there was, or or they've the I guess that bomb shelter tune is is fun, but it's not connected to anything else in the story. No. So I don't know, right. you know, it's like a little vignette. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's interesting too because there are moments that I like that, like uh, when uh, Paulette is yelling at Johnny at the um, at the uh, gas station, mm-hmm. and she steps on the air hose. And it blows her skirt up. I don't, I don't feel like that was planned or something because you can tell the characters are trying not to laugh, or the actors uh-huh. are oh, really? trying not I, to laugh. Is I Paulette thought it was a genius because I thought it was planned too. <laughs> I thought it was planned because she talks about her being the Marilyn earlier. Oh, yep. in the, oh earlier, oh, yeah. That's... And then they're trying not to laugh because they're just like mean kids, and she's yeah. trying to be serious, right? Yeah, like they're her friends. It could yeah. be. It felt yeah. very. Authentic to me, which is great acting. That's yeah, great acting. Um, also, a, Christopher McDonald is in this. I think it's his first role. Oh. One of my favorite comedic actors. Who He's great. Doesn't get goose. yeah goose. Oh yeah, he Deep doesn't get man. the credit he deserves for playing the straight man in a lot of really wacky comedies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was in Happy Gilmore, which is one of the few Adam Sandler movies I kind of enjoy, mm-hmm. and he's great. Mm-hmm. Like he is really good in there. He's in an episode of Psych, which is one of my favorite episodes of Psych. Um, and he is wonderful. And this was one of his first roles, I think. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you, Tobin. No, that that was that was that's my overall. Okay, Caitlin, what was this oh. like for you? Um, in, interesting to watch during the Me Too movement. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But very much so. So I kind of thought, like, I was like ready to like kind of defend it because I thought maybe you guys would be like that was horrible that was horrible and I'm like it's too easy to just go down the line of like horrible things like it's from 19- 1982 the theme of the movie is sex and so I was like okay I'm just gonna like take out the offensive like I'm just gonna choose not to be offended and so oddly like really sex positive like mm-hmm. I love that Michelle Pfeiffer is like this is just what I want this mm-hmm. is what I'm into I work at a gas station I'm into bikes that was like a good character development thing for me she's like this is just who I am and what I want and then like the there was like awkward flirting that was inappropriate and unfair sometimes but it was like no one didn't want sex except for Sharon was like kind of was interested in it but didn't really want it everybody else was like no we want to have sex mm-hmm. and um and so it was just I kind of liked how it approached that. Um, well, even the sex ed class. Yeah. Is, like they had a sex ed class. And like <laughs> yeah. for 1982, I mean, I know it's supposed to even be in the 60s, but like for yeah. 1982, profoundly deep concepts for what would have been in a sex ed class if I, you know. But it I wasn't a sex ed class. It was a biology well, class. It was biology. Yeah. But yeah it, they started talking about plants and then they moved on to mammals in Five minutes. It was a health book he was holding, though. Yeah. That's where they shoot. There's a lot happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the one teacher taught music appreciation and English. Like, there was a lot of... There was only two teachers. <laughs> and also drama. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. These are yeah. my drama kids. Yeah. These are my girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's... 
super fun. I watched it with my partner and I was like, thanks for watching this with me. Like, and he's like, no, this is actually pretty fun. Like, he like, we were like singing it all week and stuff. So yeah, I had a lot of fun. Bit of a hoot. Yeah. I would say. Marianne, what was it like for you this time? I found it exasperating. (laughs) (laughs) I did not expect this at all because most of the time when we watch movies that are on real bad that I'm like, oh, I have such strong childhood nostalgia for. I'm like, yeah, no, I expected how it would be bad and I still enjoy it. Mm. This one, I'm like, ooh. Ooh. I found it very cringy and not, not because of the sex stuff, but because like the movie starts off basically telling you like, these kids are cool. Oh, yeah. These this whole school is filled with these really cool kids, except for these two nerdy ones. Mm-hmm. And no, but we're cool. And Michelle Pfeiffer wants a cool writer because she's a cool girl. <laughs> she pops her collar really slowly in the very beginning. And like the T-Birds are super cool. They smoke in class. And like I'm just like, I'm over this. I'm so over this. And I think that this is a big problem that happens with like a lot of a lot of movies that are about yeah. teens that are not about like subculture of high school. Mm. It's like they need they need to tell you what is cool for this environment. So like in some environments, like the art kids are the cool ones or in some mm-hmm. environments, like in prep schools, the smart valedictorians are the cool ones. Right. Right. And this is just like they they tell you that so many times and they use the word cool so many times that like it's just like. It's like a jackhammer. No, yeah, that's the that's a thing about writing is, you know, you 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 don't want to keep telling the audience that yeah, this person is cool or this person is you know reckless. It's like you need to show how this is, so you're not yeah. Let somebody identify with yeah, right, (laughs) feeling cool or feeling uncool. Right. Yeah, and that's one of the things that we look for when we're first grading is you know uh, Sharon, the cool kid. You're like, well, don't know that doesn't. Show us <laughs> why is she cool? How but is she how cool? She cool right? Exactly. Right, right. That's why she's my favorite. She's just like a really <laughs> hard worker. She's not cool. Not cool. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I liked her a lot in this because she was a hard worker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is her defining characteristic. We're yeah. so and you saw one it. Thing. It wasn't like I'm a hard worker. <laughs> yeah, she's like ready to like bandage people in a, the Cold War, which is hilarious. <laughs> but you know, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There are also like a lot of uh, like kid movie things where there's a lot of like you need to fill in the blanks here or like this is a very tense moment. But you're like, no, it's not like the very the climactic scene, I guess, which is when uh, Matt, not Maxwell Caulfield, <laughs> Michael, Michael, thank mm-hmm. you, as cool writer comes and meets Michelle Pfeiffer in the like in front of. Of the school for the talent show. Talent show Friday. Talent show Friday. And then the T-Birds show up, so he has to leave. And so there's presumably a huge chase that happens with, like, the T-Birds towards Michael and then, like, all the girls in a car mm-hmm. towards the T-Birds. Yeah. But it's it's just them driving. They're not – there's nothing, like – You wanted some action? I wanted, like, yeah, give me something. And, like – Michael was a good five minutes ahead of them. He could have just turned down an alley and been missed them entirely. But that wouldn't have been cool. Right. <laughs> but running from people, right? That's cool. You right. Gotta make that big jump. jump. Yeah. And that, that one T-bird was like, ooh, look at the tire tracks. He clearly went across the edge and didn't slow down. A, a yeah. Couple, a, a couple things there that I want to I wanna hone in on. Um, and I, I, let's start there. But which... I will say... It was like the songs are real, still really enjoyable, and like Michelle Pfeiffer is so charming. 
Yes. That's that's all. We're going to do a whole 45 minutes on <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer in just a second, I promise you. Uh, first off, I want to say something this movie does that's interesting. And I give it credit for, even if it didn't know it was doing it, like what it, one of the things it did is something specifically in the 80s, um, because my brother was in high school in the 80s and he dealt with a lot of this was, and it's something that Guillermo del Toro has talked about, be, it just his idea, his feelings about being a child um, was that there was real danger when he was a child. We're talking about Guillermo del Toro here, that, that, um, that he always was afraid that he would, he or his friends would be hurt or killed by bullies. And then it would be turned around as, oh, just children playing. But he always felt there was legitimately threats and that, that it wasn't just playing, that there, there were very dangerous people. And there was a, there was a protected wall around them because they were children. And there was a level of violence that, I mean, I grew up in Podunk, California, like, you know, a little bitty town, but there was a level of aggressive violence in high school that is compared to like the goofiness and the weirdness and the, the uncomfortableness of being a teenager in this movie that I find interesting. Like you have the T-Birds who are, yeah, they're cool and everything, but then the real gang shows Mm -hmm. up and the real gang is actually threatening Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. Balmudo and his, his gang, like, no, they're going to, kill you mm-hmm. and this isn't something like ah oh, yeah they're gonna mess up your, you know yeah they're gonna you know put pie in your face you know no this is like no, in that juxtaposition I found interesting of what the movie is telling you are the cool people the t-birds and the pink ladies and then you have the real gang show up that is like feels much more 1960s realistic mm-hmm. of greaser who will stab you mm-hmm. god damn it mm-hmm. and and frightening. And so that's something that I found interesting. And it, that the kids are playing at that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. The, yeah. The, there's the, the playing at it, but then there's this, this thing that uh, enters the film only two or three times. Mm-hmm. And every time it does, I feel very afraid. It's real menace. Yeah. 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 I feel, I feel like, cause uh, even Johnny like is afraid. He is legitimately afraid of them. Yeah. Like it's, you know, he, he tries to go out and strut and be, you know, the big man. But as soon as he realizes the whole gang is there, there's a problem, you know? Um, so that I, I want to give the film credit for that. Like that, that is interesting to me. I don't know if it works throughout the whole film. I don't even know if it's like, I, I don't even think it's the best example of stuff like that. I think other films, more modern films have done it much better. Like brick. Um, oh god, I love that! Movie. So good. <laughs> Brick may be in my top ten of all time yeah. favorite films. That yeah. is a great film. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that I want to hone in on is you, you talked about a couple funny moments, and I do want to give the movie credit for making me laugh out loud genuinely mm-hmm. a couple of times. The first one being the hiding the cigarette in his mouth joke. Mm-hmm. Adrian Zmed mm-hmm. is a much better performer than I think he his career gave him credit for. He ended up doing a TV show for a while. He was on a show called TJ Hooker with yes. William Shatner. Yes. Um, he's in another film that I want to have on here where he is quite good. Um, that's a It's sort of a rip-off slasher film, but he's good in it. And I think he is good at doing what he does in here, um, which is a credit to him and a credit to the film, I think. Um, because I don't think beyond... And I do think there is this beyond his threatening manner toward women, which is there, um, even though Paulette walks him down at the end, his uh, and this is going to lead me into my next point. Um, 
his reactions to Michelle Pfeiffer trying to break up with him are threatening in their own way. So it's again, it's this example of, you know, there is this playing relationship you have with mm. Sharon and Mizuchi. Miz- yeah. Kuzi? No. M- mm. I got that I guy uh-huh. with the great smile. <laughs> Very big smile. Mm-hmm. And then there is this much more serious, much more possibly abusive relationship happening. Demucci. Demucci with uh, Zanoni and uh, Johnny, Michelle Pfeiffer and Adrian's med. And I don't know how serious the filmmakers took it, but I contend that Michelle Pfeiffer took it very seriously because I don't say this lightly. Her performance in here goes beyond what this movie is and is and elevates itself into something almost spectacular. She is one you can tell that a lot of actors are checking in and checking out in this movie. They're kind of phoning it in occasionally. Michelle Pfeiffer is not. She's there in every scene, she is present. She she plays those scenes with Johnny so well edging on where she's trying to push forward but is also obviously afraid of him and afraid of where this is going to go that I don't think I've watched this since I went through film school and and since I've really started examining acting I came away so impressed with her like just looking at what she was able to do with this part it blew me away and and that I think elevates the film a little bit it doesn't mm-hmm. fix the problems with the film, but I think I'm really just – I just walked away and I, like I told Tobin, I'm just like, I don't know how else I, – I don't know. Somebody else talk about Michelle Pfeiffer because like I'm kind of on cloud nine about her performance in here. Yeah. Well, with those like threatening – it's like case book telltale signs of an, of abuse, like that you're supposed to watch out for people – talking to each other that way you know and like so it's I'm not sure if the writing was really purposeful or someone was just like but it it I'll give it credit I'll I'll say the writing was purposeful that it's like this is an abusive relationship and like I loved how they used her like sarcasm and her coolness to be like just to hold her boundary like it seems yeah. like like what you're talking about with her her skill is that like she you could feel her doing everything she could to just be like, this is my space and I'm allowed to be in control of just me. Right. Mm-hmm. While still also wanting to be accepted into her group and wanting to be a part of, quote unquote, the cool people. But like she's she's like battling that. Yeah. Which is does that make the ending really sad yes. when he becomes a T-bird? Like, yeah. I was so sad. I, I hate that ending. Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing that like kind of pisses me off. Like I think that annoyed me a lot about this movie in that like so you have Michelle Pfeiffer who is like she's clearly like trapped right and trying to like live her just be autonomous is really all she right, wants right. right um even though she says that she wants a cool writer fine but all of her you friends be your own cool writer yeah right right but like all of her friends all of her friends are like trying to reel her back in and they're like just go back with him because you are a you're a pink lady and you belong to them and well so there's like, the line which is i don't want to just be someone's chick and they're like are you feeling all right mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah and that comes late in the movie too i'm like oh is this a, is this i don't think this is 
we didn't have the rules of that being true until <laughs> pretty late. Right. So that was also weird. <clears throat> right. But but yeah, yeah. like I, I found that very like frustrating that the her friends weren't like understanding and supportive of her. And actually mm-hmm. um, Paulette, who is probably more of her rival, who was kind of like her romantic rival, mm-hmm. I guess, um, was the one that was most like, yeah, no, you don't need to be with Johnny. But that was only because she wanted him. Right. And yeah. she's like, she wanted to be the leader eh, kind of presumably of the pink ladies. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much it. So like, yeah, no one was looking out for her. And I felt yeah. bad. And then like, in the end it was like, oh, even though you're graduated, so it doesn't matter anyway, you're still dating a T-bird. And that's that. That's what makes it okay. I'm like, yeah. Mm, when is that oh. like a power? Like at first, I was like, did Johnny just grow? Or like, no, that's a good power move. Mm-hmm. That he's like, okay, Bring I decide the, that you get yeah. to date him now. Right. Like it's still controlling. I approve of him. Therefore, it is okay for you. Therefore, to date him. I decided it. Even though I you am g- declaring that we are broken up right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Even though it is graduation and yeah. the rules no longer apply. Yeah. <laughs> that's why everything's going to be okay. Because she is going to, she, Michelle Pfeiffer, Stephanie, is going to walk away from this graduation and realize, oh, the fuck was that all about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drop the pink lady jacket and go on with her life. That's, yeah, right. that's what's going to happen in this right. movie, as because, seen by all the yeah. movies she does after this, where she, so my, so Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my, my first note here on my notes is I'd watch Michelle Pfeiffer do anything. This has been true since I was very young. Uh, she is able to do. To, to sort of balance um, authentically tough with sort of scarred and vulnerable and and kind of in, in brittle almost, like yeah. in pain. She's able to do, in so many roles, she does both those things. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman Taking Returns, she yeah. does both those things. Um, Dangerous Minds, both those things. Mother, she does both those things. Movie after movie, she, you're, you're, you you see this, she presents one way and then you see cracks in that kind of veneer. Yeah. And, and, and I, just th- I just think she does that so, so beautifully. It's as though she is in a different movie, which is usually a bad thing. But in this case, I just like her movie. Her movie so much. I'm watching her movie, yeah. And it feels like Nick, like you're saying, like she has chosen. She knows what her story is. Yes. And if the script around her and the characters around her and the songs around her are doing other things, it doesn't matter to her. She's doing that thing. The scene in the talent show where she has her her breakdown moment, her where the movie gets subjective all of a sudden, like yeah. the rest of the world falls away. And is before we get into the smoke machine and stuff, but it's like just her and that star floating away. And, and there's a camera move there that like moves up on her as she's mm-hmm. going into this kind of fugue state. She's playing that beautifully. The movie is, that's the moment for me when the movie's with her, like the app, it absolutely lines up in that, in that scene and then, then diverges again. <laughs> like, like they don't know what they've got. They do. Yeah. They don't know what they've got in, in her. Yes. And she she has found something in this material to play that is that is different than what everybody else around her is playing for the most part. And and I th- I just think she's spectacular in this movie. They definitely didn't know what they had because they, she was like the last choice. Like they had read. Wow. And is that ca- true? Yeah, they cast so many, or they well they read so many people. Cher was attached at one point, and Cher was like, "I think I'm too old for this." <laughs> and uh, she backed out. There were uh, there were just uh, I went through the the names of people that were huh. on there. It was just like mm-hmm. holy god. And they got to her, who I think she'd done a couple little things before this, mm-hmm. but nothing huge. Some TV. Yeah, yeah. and yep. um, and then she had this moment, and you know, by God. Just took it by the horns and ran with it. It's funny. I I listened to her in an interview many years later, 
And she said it was uh, – somebody asked her what her kids thought of her movies. And she's like, you know, the only movie that I really let them watch is Grease 2 because it's fun and there's music. <laughs> I think her kids were fairly small yeah. at this point. But she was just like, I'm not going to let them watch Batman Returns. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's darling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it was – I don't know. All things – and her career just exploded Mm-hmm. After this, and uh, she and uh, Maxwell Caulfield did not get along no, on no. set. She had some. She didn't. I will say she's in the nicest way possible. Really called him out by saying he just seemed a little self interested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is called Son of Greece, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this movie yes. is about me. Yeah. Yes. Um, and he went on to say that, like you know. He blamed Grease too for him not having much of a career afterward, while Michelle Pfeiffer had this amazing career. And it's like, hmm, yeah, what's uh, <laughs> yeah. what's uh, what's different about those two things? Like, she clearly shined in this, and you know, he really didn't. He's very good looking, like very good looking, sure. and he's not a bad actor. I'm not saying he's a bad actor. Uh, I think he was sufficiently adorable in this movie um, for me, but especially with Dolores. I oh, love yes. that. Yeah, I like Morris. I like that relationship. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's the yeah. only okay. that, those are the only moments where I liked him. Yeah. But that's just because Dolores is phenomenal. Yeah, she carried those scenes. She carried yeah. a lot of this movie. Yeah. Well, on to, uh, Dolores, uh, hold on, let me find her name. Pamela Adlum. Yeah. From Better Things, is that her show? Or um, she well, was a she writer done, producer on Louie. She's she's done she's a lot of voice of acting. Stuff. She's uh, she's the voice of Vidya. Um, yes. The t- from Tinkerbell. She's one of Tinkerbell's friends. She's oh, the really? sassy purple one. I love I it. I think she was also one of the main characters in Recess. Um, yes. Oh, God, mm-hmm. I love that show. She's an yeah. excellent voice actor. Yeah. So yeah. she's done a lot. Gone on, on to do and quite a, write, a bit. writer and producer on TV. I mean, it's a, create, has created her own show. I mean, it's a, she has had a real real career. And you mm-hmm. again, another, another person here who like, and she's a kid, so I, but she knows exactly what, like they've dialed her in in a way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But 1982 kid actor. Holy shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Like, right. Possibly the worst era for children actors. <laughs> like, oh my god! Um, but yeah, she, no, she was wonderful, yeah, and yeah. she and she makes him better. She does mm-hmm. absolutely, and Michelle Pfeiffer makes him better. Yeah. Like you know, and that you know that's true with most actors. You have a good actor opposite somebody. Yeah. You're just gonna. This is why a lot of people like to talk about. Um, god damn it! Okay, so who played Two Face? Tommy Lee Jones? Jones? No, in the good version. Oh, <laughs> oh Aaron. That was the good um, version. Oh, don't. Don't you. Don't. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron Eckert. Aaron Eckert. There you go. Yeah, Aaron Eckert. Yeah. Uh, they talk about, he talks about a lot about how um, his performance was elevated by Heath Ledger. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's, it brings you up when you realize, oh, that's what that person's doing. <laughs> I got I to gotta match that now. Yeah, holy yeah, yeah. shit. You know? right. And that could be just an energy thing sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I was I, like, oh, you're going all in? Yeah. Yeah, I can go all in too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, I'm, exactly. We're, we're both doing this. Yes. All right, great. Exactly. Yeah, you can't act against someone who's not responding to you, but if you're both in it yeah. together. Then... Every once in a while, you'll see an actor who does. Ewan McGregor is someone who does that often. We're like, nobody else, is, I, mostly in the prequels. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> but, mostly just in the Star Wars prequels. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like he's, he is capable of doing that. I don't know, you know, I don't know if it's a theater thing or mm. something. I, I have no idea. I don't know his background either. But um, yeah, I just, God, I love Michelle Pfeiffer in this. And I love, <laughs> yeah. I love Dolores in this. I also mm-hmm. really, I liked Paulette. 
best voice in the movie. Yeah. Um, and I found she, out she is the sister of um, Liza Minnelli. Yeah, Judy Garland's daughter. Judy, Ga- Judy, Judy Garland's Garland. daughter. Yeah. in the family, man. Yes, wow. you can see it in her smile. <gasps> you can. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And oh my God, I did not put that she together. She has like the eyes a little bit too. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That big smile she has is just so like, wow, that's so a... Good. Yeah. So like I, I, there's so a, there was there's star power. In yeah. The movie. Like yeah, there really yeah. is, even if they didn't know it at the time. Yeah. Mm. Um, Do you think it's because early director who's like safe spaces choreography and there's just a lot of characters in every scene? Like, do you think it was just like unwieldy, unwieldy? I think so. Like I you just say- have to like let Michelle Pfeiffer do her thing. And luckily she's doing it, you know. And then, right. I, I would say so because, like, you don't get a lot of character from these performers. Like, yeah. Right. No, and it's not their fault. It's just, like, there's not a lot of time. And there's it's just not in the script. Like, I forgot that one girl. All you know about her is that she hates her nose and wants a nose job. And that oh, is yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And she's uh, paired with... Um, Goose. Goose. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much all you know about she her. She says some incredibly mean things to her right at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like... Jesus. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I think that that might be a part of it, too. It's just, like, if if you're the type of actor who can take, like, a dumb throwaway line and own it, mm. then you shine, which is what Michelle Pfeiffer does. But not everyone can just, like, pull nothing out of a script or pull something out of nothing right. in a script. Have a through line. Yeah. yeah. How That's do we all feel about musicals, just in general? Love them. Tell Love them. Yeah. I like them. Everybody's here. I think I like them until I see most of them. And then I'm kind of (laughs) like, I didn't enjoy that. But like, I, I love a good musical, Mm -hmm. I guess. And I'm very easily manipulated by music. Like, uh, I am like I'm as like well. you want me to feel this way okay same same <laughs> you know so if it's if it's off I'm like wait I'm feeling confused right now but um yeah I weep at commercials you know oh I do like, too like oh my the Sarah McLaughlin commercials the Delta <laughs> in flight like safety card video I have to like look wow. at the window I'm like oh God wow. you guys care so deeply about us wow. <laughs> so I like them but I don't think I have a choice. music removes your choice your your ability to decide yeah yeah i'm often very impressed by like strong vocal quality Mm -hmm. and like um dance performance yeah i think Mm -hmm. that those are like i just love it and then when it's done well i'm like this is great the whole plot is dumb but you performed it well yay thank you step up or Mm -hmm. i don't know anything with made by bob fossey (laughs) it's great i mean I don't know, Tobin, I know on our Real Good, we talked about um, a terrific musical, mm-hmm. which is interesting because it's not like this or Grease. It's right. a musical where the music is happening within the... Right. Um, they, they, everyone is aware they're singing. Yeah. It's not someone's thoughts that... Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, That's really fun. Yeah. Um, my problem with this as a musical is... And it's not fair. I'm going to say this, and I know it's not fair. Um, almost none of the music has anything to do with the plot. It's just... She wants a cool writer. That's one of the few. <laughs> yeah. That one, Charade, is sort of plot character oriented, but like, mm-hmm. we're going to bowl tonight is just about getting sex. Um, let's do it for our country. It's just about getting sex. Reproduction is just, just about, about sex. sex. <laughs> like, it's, all, it's all just, you know, it's all sort of cheeky s- sex stuff or, you know, going back to school. I mean, back to school is about sex as well. Mm-hmm. If you listen to the lyrics, which was also weird because I'm a huge Little Shop of Horrors fan and that voice is Audrey 2's oh, voice singing yeah. at the beginning. 
And I had no idea until I watched it this time. And I was like, why do I know that? And why do I feel scared right now? <laughs> and so it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, and I, you know, it's, it's funny bringing that up. Little Shop of Horrors is probably my favorite musical. And mm-hmm. most of the music in there is plot oriented. Mm-hmm. And so in this one, that was a hard thing for me to get into. But I also love Moulin Rouge, mm-hmm. where none of the music is specifically plot oriented. It's all emotionally oriented. It's mm-hmm. all like this song is is a love song and we're going to sing it. And it's about the performers. And but for some reason, I love it in Moulin Rouge. It's well, directed by Baz Moul- Lerman. And, you know, but it, but in here, I couldn't. Well, I would Break say that, that in Moulin Rouge, like it is all about the emotion, right? Like, which is where the music works really well to like act as a conduit yes. for these emotions. In in this movie, in Greece too, like the songs are not about emotion. They are about like I want sex, but I don't know why you want sex. Like, how do you feel about that? Like, mm-hmm. there is no mm-hmm. emotional tie right. or like. None of the songs tell you about these characters. They don't tell you about the relationship between these characters. Like they don't make you care like, about the characters. Let's do it for yeah. our like let's do it for our country is the perfect example where it is a song between a couple where he's trying to convince her to have sex and she thinks he's trying to convince her to enlist. Right. <laughs> Which is like maybe that's why she's my favorite, because I'm like, oh, she has she's a patriot. She cares right. about people. <laughs> like yeah, I learned you, a little bit about it. It tells you a little bit about her. <laughs> yeah. But you learn absolutely nothing about them as a couple and yeah. how they feel about one another. It's a very good point. And you're right about Moulin Rouge. I mean, Baz Luhrmann is a very emotional filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I, I I don't like all of his films. I don't even like all of Moulin Rouge, but what I love about Moulin Rouge I really love. And uh, but the editing, the cinematography, everything, the the performance of Roxanne in Moulin Rouge is one of my favorite cinematic mo- moments of all time. And it's all emotion. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's all performance and everything. And that's what I live for. And even in the first Grease. So I love that. I love uh, Summer Lovin' because it's a very emotional thing. It's it's joyous and happy, but it is still very emotional. And the music does it. The performances do it. The cinematography does it. So well, and that. What you just keep going back to, too, is, like, the reason I love movies is that, like, everybody's showing up. And, like, yeah. there's parts in this movie where I'm like, oh, there's no art department in this scene. <laughs> like, uh-huh. the actors Good are point. working their butts off, mm-hmm. but, like, there's no art. Like, or, like, the, I'm like, mm, like, I know he's the handsome guy because you light him well, but would you light anybody else, please? You know? Right. And, like, then it's just, like, you get distracted by the missing pieces. Mm-hmm. Or what Tobin was talking about with that 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 moment where she's on stage and the camera is starting to line up with the character yeah. and everything's coming together and it feels like there's a whole team working <laughs> yeah. on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there aren't those moments which are sprinkled throughout most movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, most good movies. Like yeah. You, yeah. you have those sprinkled throughout and there are a couple in here. I think that's good. I think I don't know if it's good or just because I found out that she was doing her own stunts, the scene where she's climbing on him as the motorcycle. That's a yeah. sex scene. That's the sex scene yeah. we finally get right. in the movie. Which yeah. I appreciate. Yeah. Which like, is awesome. I, I like yeah. that stuff. It is the yeah. scene where they have the most chemistry and he's not even there. Yep. <laughs> she's like, I love this stuntman. Yeah. <laughs> well, the stuntman was talking about it, I was like, man, she was game for anything. So we were like, all right. And, uh, but like, I, I like that scene because it felt emotional and it felt like everybody was on board. Cinematography was on board. The performers were on board. Everybody was doing their best. Music was even on board at that point. Like, it, because it was this weird different version of Cool Rider, mm-hmm. the slowed mm-hmm. down Muzak yeah. version. And so I really enjoyed it. And th- those moments, though, they were just, they weren't enough. It was just too diluted yeah. mm-hmm. throughout it. 
It's hard to make a musical where almost all the songs are novelty songs. I think this gets to the idea of they're yeah. not like they're just little joke songs and not about not you because they can either amplify the emotion or move the story along or reveal character or but if they're if if so many of them are just jokes. There was an interview I just listened to recently with Brad Bird uh, as part of his like uh, you know Incredibles two Oscar uh, you know um, rounds um, and he's making a musical now and and could rattle off. He said I love musicals but they're only about a dozen that are really good and then he and he rattled them off and it was interesting to hear his sort of list of you know the 10 great movie movie musicals and then he said but then there's some there are a whole bunch where there are good pieces in them like there's yeah. a great set piece or there's a you dancing on the, um, all these Fred Astaire movies the movies themselves aren't very good but spectacular dance sequences dancing on the ceiling or a whole long take of four minutes of a ballroom dance and you know that 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 um, and this movie I, I just think it didn't have enough of any of those pieces like right these pieces that we're pointing out are sort of slivers of moments yeah. as mm-hmm. opposed to like a whole set piece or even a whole song necessarily that really lifts itself out of the movie in, in some kind of way right um interesting because you go back to little shop of horrors there is the one novelty song in there which is the dentist and it's so cute and fun and it's a great time and steve martin's great but it's just one moment exactly mm-hmm. it's exactly. not it's every not, yeah right yeah right yeah everything else is really it's fun it's still everything is still fun it still fits within the film but it doesn't it's not repeating itself right, over right. and over but even still like the dentist song still serves a purpose of like you know who the dentist is now like oh yeah you, that's you knew true. before you knew true. before and like after with him slapping around audrey but like you know mm. who he is you have a very clear picture yeah. of this masochist <laughs> yeah yeah that, that that's a very so good it point still, <laughs> it still does serve a purpose whereas like yes little shop of horrors is better than grease 2 yeah on every level it's really try is it just doesn't have michelle pfeiffer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay well at this point i'd like to move things along into how we would fix grease 2 i have an interesting fix so i'll go first I, I, it's I'm okay with like um, you want to do a movie that's all that these all of these songs are gimmicky songs. You know, I'm okay with that. But I think you don't make it grease. Like you could do this movie and it's not grease. Um, and I think then you have a little more freedom with the character. So I mean, it goes back to the script at, at the end of the day for me. I, I think you just don't make this grease, and then you can have a little more fun and you can have more of a raunchy musical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in 1982, you had things like Porky's coming out. You had stuff like that that was much more on the raunch. And to have the, the idea of having that and a musical, I think might have been really fun. Um, and you could still have the whole same cast. And uh, except, Would they still be in high school? Yeah, you can still make Because Porky's, was, they were in high school. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think – and I think an idea of a coming-of-age thing but that's not tied to Greece. And I know – I get it. As a studio, you have a property. You want to exploit that property. I get it. Like, I, I, And I'm not even saying that's bad, but I think this script, you could have said, this is not a – it's like the opposite of what's – when we're going to – eventually, we're going to have all of the Hellraiser sequels on this podcast. And as those go on, it becomes very clear that they had a movie – and then they said, oh, but what if we make it Hellraiser? <laughs> <laughs> and then they put Pinhead in. And it's clear that, like, these things don't relate. But they they had a property they were working on. I don't think this is that problem. I think it's kind of the opposite. Like, I think a stripped-down version of This Is Not Grease would be interesting. So, yeah. Marianne, what do you think? I am actually kind of going in the opposite direction, I guess. I don't know. So <laughs> I think... You're like, make it Grease 1 again. No, actually, <laughs> like... 
So I would say like para like obviously change all the songs because they're like just swap them out to make them plot driven or character driven, right? But in terms of fixing the plot, I would say like I think that the you should shift the focus a little bit more and focus on um on Stephanie, who's Michelle Pfeiffer, on and then like also like on Paulette and on Johnny. And because I think that like that is an interesting story. And like yeah, I, agree. I think it would be really cool or really like fascinating and interesting if like you spent more time with Paulette to like understand the relationship that she has and like also understand the relationship like between all three of them because it is it's contentious and weird and I think it would be like so Dolores is Paulette's sister and I think it would be an amazing moment of like well a it would be amazing to like actually have them interact uh-huh. more than just like a little bit in the beginning as like snarky sister but like I think it'd be interesting if maybe like Paulette grew and like Paulette's turning point was like watching her sister see her and like how she's being treated mm-hmm. and I don't think that you need to have like I think it's fine if you still want to have cool writer or slash uh, Michael as like a sec another that's his, another that's his interest, character's name now. another interest <laughs> for Stephanie but have him like kind of like on the sidelines in the wings like you kind of know that she's interested in this other guy you don't really know much about him but like it's not about their relationship it's about these three people and like this volatile dynamic and I think you don't make Michael be a T-bird at the end and it's really just Nagarelli like coming to terms with the fact that these are autonomous women that can make their own choices and should be able to. And like, interesting because that's very similar to the, the trio in the first Greece. Right. That's between Kinnicky Rizzo and, and uh, Zuko. Um, Not, not Sandy because, because Rizzo and Danny were the two who were going together. And then Kinnicky, Danny's sort of like, yeah, we're done. And Rizzo's like, yeah, we're done. But she still has a thing for him. But then she hooks up with Kaniki and like, there's this. It, it, it's yeah. Trying, yeah. So it like, yeah. it, it harkens back a little bit more to Greece, like the first one. Mm-hmm. And it does the thing that people like more about this movie than Greece does. And that like, so Greece one is all about, is not all about, but it's primarily about changing for that other person yeah, right. and turning yourself into what, they you think what, they what you want. think they want <laughs> and like this movie vaguely does that with Michael but it's it doesn't actually which is why people like it more like well mm-hmm. like the message more right, so i right. think that like just yeah just clear that all up and make it like the focus i think is Interesting. the way to do it Oh, I like that. Uh, I told you it was a weird fix. No, it's not no, weird. I think, good. That's, yeah. I think that's really good. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I would watch that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Caitlin, what do you think? What fixes it for you? Um, I... Make it the Sharon movie. Make it the Sharon movie. <laughs> yeah, I also would watch um, that movie. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds right? great. She's so great. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm sort of doing like a double, double down real good in this moment, but this is not going to be my real good. But another movie that has an awesome bowling scene that has like weird war like fraughtness in the background and follows a bunch of different young people into different places is across the universe so like let julie Taymor direct this movie and it would have been incredible well like, that would have fixed mm-hmm. my visual problems yeah <laughs> yeah it would have been beautiful yeah so um i feel like a lot of people know about across the universe so i don't want that to be my real good but i feel like if you took someone who's a really strong director and like maybe just like would have shaped it differently, like Marianne is saying, and and pushed it and made it be like a fun romp. 
right. would have been really awesome. And so I, as soon as I – the bowling scene happens pretty early. And so then I just kind of kept imagining each scene with, as like a Julie Taymor scene. So I couldn't think of any – like it made me like the movie more. Ooh. Yeah. I like that. Just having that thought. Like a like veil. A, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Julie more Taylor color. veil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> more color. A little yeah. more um, kinetic. Yeah. Everything bouncing from what – because it's – Maybe we some just sort weird of have puppets. Scene. Yeah. Then another scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, I love Julie Taymor. Anyway, <laughs> no, that's so that's good. That's a that's a really interesting fix. Tobin, what do you think? I'm going to co-sign that. I I, <laughs> I had another, but there, there's something. So it, it, one of the problems with this movie is that it's not it's not a problem that it was directed by a choreographer. This is a hard. This would be a hard first movie for anybody. Totally. Yeah. And so you're going to fall back on what you know and what you do best. And if what you know is, you know, dancing, then you're going to. So, which is why I think all these scenes feel very objective. We're just watching these people dance. Whereas what Julie Taymor does is so subjective, gets you into how this character is feeling and experiencing this moment and sometimes to the detriment of the film, but usually at least visually because it's thrilling. Yeah. And often, and often, you know, so I think that's a great idea. Um, I, I, this is a movie you, if, so if this comes across your desk and you have to make Grease 2, it's not a bad idea, I think, to have, okay, so the, the young woman is going to be the cool one and the and the guy who's her love interest is going to be the like the outsider one and the, the, the straight, straight laced. man yeah, yeah. straight laced mm-hmm. right and that that's that that's the thing they're going to have to bridge and so like, fundamentally I think there's something there you'd have to fire the people who wrote the music you'd have to <laughs> you know you'd hire a new director let her choreograph the thing put give it to Julie Tamer I love that idea um, and and uh, and so and then follow that idea to this. You know, to Marianne's idea of like having the the, the the point then at the end is that they they try to change for each other and realize that no, we're just going to be ourselves, and that's what makes them come together at the end. Then you've solved that original Grease One problem too. Mm-hmm. And it feels like they were playing with that a little bit. She like realizes that he's smart and he is interested in her as being a smart person. Like when they're making out, not making out, but they're like really going after ketchup. Like they <laughs> yes. like. I love that scene. Yeah, I yeah, know, but because they are relating to each yes. other as people and seeing each other. Yeah. yeah. Like as each other. Outside yeah. of all their expectations of high school and, you know, all that. The, the movies that is most interesting once about insiders versus outsiders and what does it mean to be inside? What do you give up to be on, inside versus being on the outside? And that's the moment where they're both separated from their expectations and just get to be people with one another. And, and more, I ended up liking both of them. <laughs> Yeah. Like yeah. I didn't really right. – it wasn't that I disliked him right. in the movie. It was just – they. Were, I felt like there, there wasn't was, a lot to hold on yeah, to. Yeah, there just wasn't much right. there um, except in that scene. I liked it because he had a good laugh at something she wrote and he had some very honest – like they were very simple but very honest things to say where it's like, I don't know this any better than you. I just know some fancy words, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's a nice compliment to give her. And I, there was something about that moment that I was like, that's a nice thing to say. Good for you. <laughs> Somebody said something nice. Because the whole movie, nobody's saying anything nice to her. Yeah. Or, well, any of the right. women, frankly. <laughs> but, like, like th- th- this having a moment where a character looks at one of these other characters and says something legitimately nice mm-hmm. made my heart swell. <laughs> and I think, you know, part of that is because I love Michelle Pfeiffer in this. But also, I think it was a good moment for him. It was just, mm-hmm. a, it was just a good moment, a nice scene, simple. It's like a directing 101 scene of just two people sitting at a table. Right, right. Yeah. You know, and it it's nice. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been better if Julie Taymor directed it, but... <laughs> I still like, you know, yeah, I, I, I still like that sequence. Forgot about that. It's also the other joke I was going to talk about that I actually liked, which was 
uh, just before that, um, it's one of the more threatening sequences with uh, Johnny is before they're going to go into the restaurant. And he says, um, Goose is standing next to him. And so what's the story, Stephanie? Yeah, what's the story, Stephanie? And he's like, would you go inside? Oh, Johnny, I don't want to eat alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yes. Moment. Yes. This is really oh, it's great. So pure. It is. Yeah. It's like, so good. Yeah. yeah. It's just a, such a great, honest moment. And again, it's the actor. Like the right. actor delivered yeah. that so well because he switched from being smarmy to Stephanie to being like, oh, I don't, oh, don't make me do that. Yeah. And it's all, it's all, it's on character. Like the guy who repeats the other guy, of course he doesn't want to eat alone. He right. can't even like form his own thought. I was going to order. Yeah. 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 I, which makes me wonder at those moments, if that's an improv, if that's a, a line that just came out of oh, him in that yeah. moment, as opposed mm-hmm. to maybe, maybe I just assume that the jokes that I laugh at are not ones that are written in the script. <laughs> I feel like that might be a fair assumption. I though. would agree. And because I mean, Christopher McDonald is a comedic yeah, actor. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's so he's probably versed yeah. in that. Right. So that's great. Um, okay. We got to move on to rating this. And uh, each of us has our own little rating system that we like to use. Uh, mine is which Star Wars movie is it? This is difficult for me, but I'm going to go with this is the Phantom Menace. It's ugly. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense, but there are moments in it that I'm like, that's legitimately interesting or fun or good. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer is tremendous in this movie. And I don't say that lightly. I don't think she is tremendous for this movie. Uh, she is tremendous in it. She is really good. Um, and my real good, we'll talk a little bit more about her. Caitlin, what's your rating system? My rating system? I've forgotten. Yeah, it's <laughs> messy. Um, appropriately so for Grease 2. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like would, like sometimes you see a movie like Lars and the Real Girl and you're like, God damn, I wish that was my Oh, yeah. Idea. Mm. You know, and so it's like, do I wish that I had directed or written this movie? If like a 10 would be like Lars and the Real Girl. I'm like, that is, feels true to me and I could have written that if I had that idea, maybe. Like, I'm like, if I was like better than I am. Um, and so... I feel that. On yeah. Such is a, that yeah, like, totally. yeah. kind of like... Um, uh, Envy with so much respect and love. Yes. Um, and so with this, I'm like, would I want? Would I be proud if I had directed or written this? And and it's very enjoyable to watch, but that's not how my rating system works. Um, and so I give it a, like a one. Oh. Yeah. I would be like, oh, I'm sorry that I didn't make Michelle Pfeiffer even like. I'm sorry I didn't give her more space. You know. Yeah. If, if I had been in charge of making this movie. Oh man, I think that's. Probably season one of True Detective is the 10 for me. Yeah. Like I feel like it reflects me. Your style. My style, my, my, you know, everything that I love about cinema, everything I love about storytelling and my philosophies, mm-hmm. however misguided they may be. Yeah. And then <laughs> um, you're like, Haha, this is actually a best friend story. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, that I, I feel that on a, there's sometimes you see those movies and you're just like, oh God, I wish I'd done that. Yeah. And then there's some that are out of reach. Mm-hmm. Like 2001. I can't even imagine making 2001. Like, I'm like, wow, that's – do I wish I'd made it? I couldn't have. Like, <laughs> yeah, even that's on a my good point. Yeah. That's the 11 day. on my yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. The one where you're yeah. like, nope. Yep. Yep. Just cool. glad it exists. You made it perfectly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tobin. I have the Torgo scale, one to five Torgos, based on how much is there in this movie to recommend. This is hard. This is a one and a half Torgo movie for me. Mm. I, I think I enjoyed this I, because maybe I didn't have the childhood um, infatuation with it. I'd seen it very young, but I didn't. 
I have no nostalgia for this movie. Right. Um, so Michelle Pfeiffer is one and a quarter of those uh, Torgos, <laughs> and then Dolores is the other quarter Torgo. Because I think she's just <laughs> awesome. really, really fun. She's really good. Yeah. Two best actors in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Mm-hmm. Sid really Caesar's in this movie, and he doesn't get to do anything. <laughs> yep. He's in like two throwaway scenes. I don't get it. Anyway, Marianne, what's your rating system? My rating system um, is a Screeching Tea Kettles. Um, so basically the amount of time that I would rather uh, get up and make a cup of tea for myself instead of watching a movie. That's a great scale. Yeah. And it is an ordeal because like I <laughs> I need to be at the kettle before it actually whistles. So I need to pay attention to it, mm-hmm. which is, means I'm not paying attention to the movie at all. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say I'm going to say two. Because there are some, like, very, very enjoyable moments, but, like, that's basically one screeching tea kettle an hour because it's, like, an hour and 55. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I'm going to go with. I feel two. like there are moments in this movie, too, that I'm like, well, I don't want to miss that. Right. And that's where that's yeah. where, that's where my system is kind of flawed because it, it it's very nice to having those types of moments, right? Like, ooh, I'm not going to miss Cool Rider. I'm going to sit down and watch that. I had to take my dog for a walk that night, and I was like, oh, Cool Rider's coming. i got to pause it. All right, let's <laughs> go do that. And then we come back. I was like, now I can relax and enjoy Cool Rider. <laughs> um, side note about Cool Rider. I think I had watched this before I had really in my life tried to consciously go up and down a ladder. And tried to do her little up, 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 down, down, down thing one time when oh. I was a kid, and I nearly killed myself. Oh my like, no. that is way harder than it looks. <laughs> and she was doing it in high, high stiletto heels and, like, just floats up and down this ladder without yeah. looking, like, sideways on mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Don't try that. <laughs> That was some good choreography and good performing by Michelle Pfeiffer. So, okay, time to move on to our last segment of uh, this episode, which is going to be real good, where we recommend something to you to get to the taste of this movie out of your mouth. We're going to start with Marianne. What is your real good? <laughs> I have a movie that is also vaguely adjacent to Grease, and it is what became of the Grease, Grease 3. Three. And that is High School Musical. Yep. Because I find it to be like very lovely and endearing and it does have that whole like you're in high school and talking about like status quo and where you do and don't belong and like whether or not you can cha- like break that based off of who you are as a person or also who people expect you to be yeah and who yeah. you expect who people expect you to be also like come on Zac Efron is just so charming and adorable he's just so charismatic even though he doesn't sing in that movie but it's fine I just read that in the trivia and I was like excuse me that's what happened to the script for Grease 3. Yeah. It became High School Musical. Which is better than Grease 2. Yeah, well. It makes so much sense to me. And it's a Disney Channel movie. So it's like the script is like tight. Like there's yeah. not like. Yeah. They Boy. are a factory. They, they're not going to like waste scenes right? for like because they're devoted to their art in. <laughs> do it for our country. They're like, no, cut it. No, I don't need that. Yeah. No, let's just focus on. Focus on the stuff. Come on. Yeah. I loved it. I love that movie. Excellent. Caitlin, what's your real good? Um, I had a really hard time. I was like, how many movies are about planning a year-long talent show? How many <laughs> movies have like a surprise luau? Like, and so I decided to go with um, a movie that I really, really love. It's kind of like distant from this, but it's like young people. 
there's two wheels involved. There's pretending to be like something that you're not to impress a girl. There's like friends like trying to like do like there's even the quarry with a fake death. And like there's just like friends trying to like break out of each other and love each other. And it's the 1976 Academy Award winner Breaking Away, which I maybe have told you guys about before. But it's so Mm -hmm. freaking good. And it's just like silly and weird. There's no music. But you are like just like so in it with those guys and you're like yeah you can pretend to be Italian I love you (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tobin what is your real good? My real good because uh, we originally had the same one we did yes because we are the same goddamn person (laughs) it's okay though because I love Michelle Pfeiffer so much I can find another one of her movies easily (laughs) Um, so this is a Michelle Pfeiffer film that came out just six years after uh, um, Grease 2 uh, it's also about a group of characters who uh, are negotiating sexual mores, um, and it, and it, it it is largely about um, it's got it's it's all this is a movie where all the performers, all the all the technicians, the writer, the director, everybody is making the same movie, and it is one of my all time favorite movies. It's called Dangerous Liaisons. Oh. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer was nominated for uh, an Academy Award, as was Glenn Close. It won a Best uh, Screenplay Award, and it, it's it's a Stephen Frears movie. If you have not seen 1998's Dangerous Liaisons, you absolutely should. Um, don't be put off by the uh, like the picture of the poster. John Malkovich is in it. Michelle Pfeiffer, Glenn Close. It's phenomenal. Keanu Reeves, Uma Thurman. Um, it's very, very, very good. Holy cow. Yeah. That is a hell of a cast. It's, it's I kind amazing. of forgot all those people were in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember Dangerous Liaisons, and I'm like, John Malkovich. That's all I remembered. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, originally, uh, you and I had picked the same film for real good, and uh, that is The Fabulous Baker Boys, which is a Michelle Pfeiffer film from 1989, and it uh, also stars Jeff and Bo Bridges. Who play uh, jazz pianists? Or they're they're well. Jeff Bridges plays a jazz right. pianist, and Bo plays a sort of lounge pianist. And Jeff helps his brother by their this lounge pianist duo. And then Michelle Pfeiffer comes in as uh, a former call, call girl who wants to become a lounge singer, a slinky lounge singer. And I'm not doing the movie justice in this description of it. It is. When I saw it, I was very young. And even at that young age, I was like, this is amazing. Like this character study of this triangle that's happening is really incredible. It's also incredible that, you know, Jeff and Bo Bridges are actual brothers in real life and they're playing brothers in the movies. And uh, they're, they're all great. But Michelle Pfeiffer is in particular incredible in this movie. She is really, really good. And it's a it's a wonderful movie. Um, and uh, Stephen Cloves, mm-hmm. who wrote and directed it, also wrote and directed a bunch of other movies. But it's weird. He's probably most famous for writing in most of the Harry Potter movies. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, check out The Fabulous Baker Boys. When I – so, I had watched the, the Grease 2 in two parts because I just – with a busy life and kids. And so, in between those two parts – at the end of each of my segments of watching Grease 2, I watched scenes from Fabulous Baker Boys <laughs> because I just needed that little hit of Michelle Pfeiffer in a good mu- – it's musical, not a new musical in terms of they – you know, we, they sing their thoughts, but but she's she's a singer anyway. Yeah, that's I yeah I co-signed that as well. Yeah, it's real good. Uh, it was nominated. She was nominated for best um, leading actress. She was uh, the movie was nominated for best support uh, for best cinematography, best editing, best musical score. It's, I love this movie a lot, and it's it's great. It's a movie that you don't like. This it's so weird to me that now when you go to a major 
cinema, you don't get to see dramas anymore. Like, you know, that's just not there. Those are things that are reserved for Amazon and Netflix, which is fine. But I just I miss the days of being able to go to a multiplex and see adult adult humans. Yeah. Interacting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I love mar- comic book movies. Sure, sure. I love, you know, stuff like that. I saw Into the Spider-Verse and it's one of the best experiences I've ever had. It's a great movie. But I do miss that you don't just get a straight comedy anymore that goes to multiplexes. You know, those that's just not really what we see anymore. And I think that's kind of a shame. But it's not like the multiplexes are saying, no, it's it's what we go and see, right, right. what makes money. So anyway. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of Real Bad. Thank you guys very much for joining me. Tobin, you have a podcast. I do. It's called The Contenders. Uh, and have it's a podcast I do with my sister about movies written by and or sorry, directed by and or starring Fearless Women. Our next episode uh, is about The Hours. Oh, uh, oh, dear God. Yeah. Which is a heavy movie, but a great oh. conversation. So. Uh, 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 come check us out. <laughs> oh, and our movie after that is going to be a Christopher McDonald movie. We're doing Thelma and Louise. Oh, awesome. and Chris, mm-hmm. Christopher McDonald plays whichever one's. Yeah. Husband. One of the husbands. Yeah. Gina Davis's husband. Yeah. Excellent. So check out the contenders. Caitlin, you also have a podcast. I do. And it's been in hiatus for a little bit, but I've been. You're a very busy person. Yeah, I've been recording it. (laughs) Just not sharing it. Um, And it's called You're Doing Just Fine. And I talk to people about failure. And it's pretty intense and really wonderful to talk to people about failure and fear. And so, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Cosign. It's yeah. a very good podcast. Thanks. I enjoy it a lot. <laughs> There's more coming. I just started working with an editor, so that will be very helpful. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And Marianne, where can people find you on the webs? I'm only on the social medias sometimes, maybe, if I feel like it. But uh, <laughs> on all the socials that I'm on, I am, I am at MF Des Silva. Excellent. Well, this uh, does not conclude our month of love because we have a vote uh, that is going on that will determine what movie we're going to watch last. One of those is Rhinestone, starring Dolly Parton and Sylvester Stallone, (laughs) where Dolly Parton teaches Sylvester Stallone how to sing. And I hope that wins. I thought you were going to say, please vote for that one. Nope. And I was like, there, I'll watch that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, vote, the vote will be done by the time this episode comes out, but I'm just really pulling for Rhinestone. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be our last uh, in the month of love. And then we're going to go lerve, lerve. Um, <laughs> and then we're going to go back to just random stuff, probably until we get back to the holidays. So, yeah. Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can go to cageclub.me and check out podcasts like Third Time's a Charm, a podcast about film franchises that takes an in-depth look at the third movie in those franchises. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RealBadPod. And if you like what we do here, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash RealBadPod, and you can chip in to help us out. Big thank you to our patrons, Sarah, I Love It Podcast, Candice, and Black Duck Studios for being patrons at the $5 and up levels. We really appreciate it. Next week, we'll finish our month of love, but until then, this has been Real Bad. Real Bad.